Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Welcome to episode 22 of Behind the Backline. I'm Matt Jacoby of Active Media, and today I am talking with Brian LaRue of Dream Symbols and Gongs. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Oh, it's my pleasure, Matt. Great talking to you, sir. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the invite. Oh, you bet. Yeah, it was a great uh, um, LinkedIn connection. <laughs> exactly. There's good, it's good for something. It was originally the only social media platform I ever used. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start off by having you uh, share with your listeners about a little bit who you are. Well, uh, like you said, my name's Brian LaRue. I am probably one of the longest standing employees of Dream Symbols and Gongs outside of Andy Morris, the owner. Uh, I've been here since actually technically before the beginning almost. Uh, originally, uh, when Dream came about, we had a sister company called Mountain Rhythm that uh, was doing distribution and stuff as, as the company kind of grew. And uh, you know, we, we uh, separated from them in early 2008. Uh, I was working for them as a sales rep at the time. And when we did, it was just before uh, PASIC that year. And Andy asked if I was you know, interested in the full-time gig with the company. And it was kind of like, you know, was, at that point for me, it was a no-brainer. And I just, yeah, sure. I love the brand. Uh, really got along with him as a person and you know, really liked the product. So uh, at that point, we started. And I officially met Andy for the first time that year at PASIC. So we had worked together for about six or seven months uh, before we actually even met. And then uh, we met at PASIC, did a handful of things that's got along great. And then uh, I guess as you would say, the rest is sort of history from that point. Um, I started taking on the U.S. operations uh, originally when we formed the company in that regard from separating from Mountain Rhythm. Uh, Andy dealt with most of the bookkeeping, the ordering, product design, and that kind of stuff. I was the guy on the ground calling dealers and trying to get us into stores for you know what it's worth i mean and you know just kind of we've kept it together and built it from there and yeah every day every day is a new day and just kind of yeah keep going that's very cool so how, how big is dream then at this point like employee wise or uh, employee wise we've got probably about seven employees uh all of us with different kind of aspects of the job like i said originally when we started it was just andy and i uh craig snowden was the kind of third one to come in uh, and he kind of at that point was dealing with warehouse stuff a little bit, but also just kind of doing behind the scenes stuff as a Canadian product specialist and uh, helping Andy out and stuff like that. And then uh, as we've needed people, uh, we've brought them in. Uh, Julia, who is our, I, for lack of, she's our, our fantastic, wonderful office person. She does everything that none of us can figure out how to do. She does calls <laughs> people about billing. She makes sure Andy does his job. She makes sure we all do our jobs. And uh, she kind of keeps us all in check. Uh, there's Ed Squires, who is our social media guru, who came on probably about three or four years ago. Uh, there's Ray Dillard, who is kind of a creative guy within the company. He helps a uh, little bit with product stuff, a little bit with catalog stuff, a little bit with the website stuff. And you just, you know, when, when somebody doesn't know how to do something, you go to Ray and Ray kind of figures it out or Ray figures out who knows how to do it and just that person. Um, there's Kent Aberley who came on about a year and a half, about, yeah, probably about a year and a half ago. He's also one of the U.S. product guys uh, with me. Um, deals with you know, different territories and going to uh, to and from the stores, kind of help them set people up, learn a little bit more about the brand. And uh, yeah, so it's a uh, it's small. Um, you know, like I said, there's there's only a handful of us here that get the job done. But you know, so we all wear a lot of hats. But you know, 
it's it's good. You know, good small team. We all communicate regularly with each other. So it's it's we, we've been able to accomplish a lot with very little behind the scenes work doing being you know people doing little or few people doing behind the scenes work making it happen. Okay, well that's good. That makes you means you're efficient, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah we have we have to be. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, that's where Julia comes in because when we're not, she kicks us all and uh, you know, get her get her crap together for like a better way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what office managers do, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So is it uh, mainly um, a U.S. and Canadian um, territory brand right now, or is it uh, how how big is the reach right now? Uh, we, we as a company started out mostly well as a Canadian company. We started out mostly as far as building the brand in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. tends to drive the market as far as desire and want. Uh, so we had gotten the U.S. to a pretty substantial dealer base. We had about a hundred dealers on board who were actually actively stocking this stuff. Uh, we were creating programs like the Symbol Pasting Tour to help build visibility within the co- you know for the company within the different stores. Uh, we started the recycling program, uh, and we were doing a lot of like mag. I mean, just straight up print advertising. Uh, unlike a lot of smaller symbol companies or drum companies or otherwise, just like the ones that are trying to get their brand out there, we focused really, really hard on print marketing and in-store promotions and stuff like that. Uh, so we were spending most of our money there, which did great for visibility. Uh, you know, we're running full page ads and modern drummer, drum, drum head, uh, a couple other ones too at the time. And, you know, music trades, of course, for the industry stuff, MMR, and it just slowly picked up. And then we really started focusing back on Canada, uh, got Long and McQuaid on board, Steve's music in Montreal, uh, started picking up those guys. And then as the company built on the North American, in North America, uh, we branched out a little bit more. Uh, at that point, we had people in the company who were based in Europe, and they were kind of working and uh, building that area up as well. It was a little bit slower to pick up. Uh, but right now, I think we're probably distributed in 16, 17 countries around the world. Uh, we were doing, at one point, uh, print marketing in like seven different languages, eight different languages. Uh, some of it we were handling here in the U.S., uh, which is where most of the advertising was based out of at the time. And then uh, other distributors were taking it on and doing it on their own right within their own market. So the stuff was focused for the people who are buying the symbols there. Um, I would say beyond the U.S. and Canada, the U.K. is probably our next biggest market, uh, just based on you know, size and again visibility and how it's grown. But uh, you know, it, it's it's picking up uh, pretty much around the world. And as uh, as the brand has gained visibility uh, and marketplace everywhere, I mean, it's just you know we keep picking everybody off one at a time and adding in new distributors every year and everybody gets a little bit more excited about the brand the possibilities and uh you know like there's you know certain aspects as far as as price and margins which make everybody a little bit more excited because you're a little bit more money on it so it's uh we've done really well um it's in the short amount of time that we've been around like i said the company really kind of formed around 2008 as far as really driving towards dream um in that time frame, you know, 10 years, we just actually celebrated our 10th anniversary at NAM this past year. And in that 10 years, man, we've really cut our path through the world. Uh, and we're just, you know, 10 years in, who knows where we're going to be in 20, let alone 30 or 40. And just, you know, so it's good. Uh, we got a lot of coverage right now and just constantly looking for more. That's awesome. Especially in such a short amount of time frame and with, a, with such a lean, um, a lean team to be, be, that that far along already that's that's pretty good especially for yeah for what you guys are doing thank you i appreciate that yeah so um 
I think you touched on this a little bit, but what was like, and I think you also told me about it before we started recording as well, was um, what's kind of the inspiration or what, what uh, got, lit the spark to, to, you know, get dream going off of where you started or, you know, after branching off a mountain? Well, I mean, there was a few different things. Um, originally when the company was started, it was basically kind of almost a pet project for Andy. Uh, he and a, a, one of our old business partners had was, were professional players, and they, so they were touring Europe and touring Asia and stuff like that with orchestras and symphonies and doing different gigs and stuff like that. And they found a little cymbal shop, or well, gong shop, I should say, at the time, and got them to make some instruments for them. And within the confinements of that, the, you know, kind of the bliss line came around, and um, so they that was the first really focused on bliss and, and that was done under like i said mountain and then as as time progressed it just we found that there were limitations in how that relationship could work trying to focus on our own brand because they had their own brand as well um and we really wanted to focus on what we were doing so when we separated uh the goal at that point rather than a lot of boutique brands where you know it's like okay cool we want to be this neat little niche product that you know it's like cool here, cool there, you know, and you get a lot of your Turkish companies that are like that, you know, there's other, you know, smaller cymbal companies and smaller drum companies, you know, they usually use guys like, um, you know, you get CNC who's kind of done the same thing where they, you know, they were a small boutique brand that kind of went a little bit more mainstream, same with SJC and, you know, a couple of those other ones. I mean, we did that, you know, instead of just focusing on being this little niche product, we really tried to go after the bigger contenders. You know, I've always said, it's like, you know, it's the small guys aren't our competition. I want to be where Zildjian's at. I want to be where Sabian's at, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of always where we streamed our marketing and streamed our, our goals. You know, it was, you know, do we want to have 10 guys that are selling the symbols that are just focusing on selling, you know, just a, a cool product or do we want to have a product that's got a mass appeal to not just music stores, but to players uh, to studios, to educators. And, you know, like I said, it's, it, it's that kind of geared how we did our marketing and how we did our advertising and how we did simple things like, you know, like that people don't look at on the surface, you know, and most people like when you think about that, it's like, okay, well, this is how they got there. Our price points and our margins for dealers were really some of the biggest driving factors because where we didn't have, you know, the cool factor, yes, we were advertising, we were pushing to build the brand. You know, we were, we weren't just, you know, it wasn't just, Hey, we're cool symbols, you know, or Hey, we're cheap symbols. We were pushing the fact that we're a quality symbol, you know, and the people that make the stuff are making them by hand, regardless of region of where they're made. It just happens that within that confinement of that, we're able to keep pricing down. So it became an option for dealers who are looking for, Something that we could sell less expensive than our competitors, still with a higher, you know, higher quality as some of the entry level stuff that they were selling. Because throughout the history of the company, every product has always been a B20 symbol and some derivative or their derivative thereof. So it's all high end quality metal, all high end quality symbols. It's just at a third of the price, we were able to find our marketplace. And like I said, rather than focusing on just being this cool little niche, we pushed the brand saying, you know. We're a high quality product that happens to be affordable and we're really easy to work with. And if we're not doing something that you need, tell us what that is. And because we're small, because we're adaptable, we can try and work that into the equation. And that's really been where we've found success. I mean, it's, it's been, you know, not trying to pigeonhole ourselves, but trying to find ways to do more for people and be more for people so that 
they can sell our product, grow with our product, really feel comfortable about promoting the product and knowing that the company itself is going to stand behind what they're doing and what they're, you know, what they're doing for us. Mm-hmm. So. So, so do you think um, being a, a low cost premium brand is kind of the thing that makes Dream unique or is there other areas that make it stand out from the other brands? I think initially where, like I said, where the attraction came onto it was with a lot of people is where you could take like a Bliss 16 inch crash and sit against a, uh, another company's 16 inch crash and, you know, like a, you know, of a similar quality, similar shape, similar, you know, lathing process, that kind of thing. And you could hit one and you hit dream and it's like, wow, it's a good sounding symbol. Hit the other one. And it's like, that's equally a good sounding symbol. That one's 250. That one's a hundred. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well that makes it a little bit harder. You know, it makes it a little bit easier of a decision and you kind of lean towards that one a little bit. But then when, you know, like I said, from the dealer perspective, it's like, okay, well you're making X on that one, but you're also making double it on that one. So, you know, it's the price thing was always you know, in the early stages, yes, it was a, it was a key factor in building it. But as we've grown, I mean, yeah, we get to be the inexpensive brand, but I mean, the stuff's super high quality. So it's, you know, we get engineers who, you know, they'll hand you a bag of symbols and, you know, half of it's dream because it's easy on the mic. You know, they don't have to engineer it. They don't have to EQ it. They don't have to over like process it to get it to sound good. So it, what originally started as, yes, we were a budget symbol company that just happened to be made of really nice materials. We've now come into the fact that, you know, we're this cool eco-friendly company that's doing you know, stuff for the environment, but also trying to make symbols that musicians want to play, they can afford to play, and that they can feel comfortable being a part of because we're not like everybody else. We're not like, you know, our other competitors out there where, you know, it's like if you call into the company, you're going to get some guy behind the desk who may or may not be a drummer, may or may not know anything about the product. Um, when you call Dream or when you interact with us, you get somebody who's A, playing the product for one, B, who knows the product inside and out, C, cares about our customers because, you know, we're, we treat everybody like family because as a small company, we are family. You know, Andy's, you know, my brother, you know, Craig's my brother, Ed's my brother, Julia's my sister, and, you know, it's like, and we're like that to each other. So that's how we treat everybody. Our artists are family to us. Our customers are family to us. We have appreciation for the fact that, you know, they play the product, they trust us, and we try to deliver the best thing that we can for them. And, you know, I mean, it, it's worked really well for us. I mean, we've, we've built an identity and like a, a culture around a product that, you know, is just kind of continuously expanding. So it, it went from being this budget thing to being, you know, this cool little community of people that are supporting, you know, I like to say supporting the underdog, but, you know, that's kind of the way it was growing. But, you know, now it's just, we're part of, you know, part of the top three, top five symbol companies in the U.S. And we're there simply because of the people that are playing the brand. It's, yes, we've done a lot of work, but there's not one single thing that any of us have done or do on a daily basis that gets us there. It's our customers, our artists, the studios that are using the stuff, the educators that are out there pushing their students to play the stuff because, well, they can afford it. Sounds good. And they can believe in it because we stand behind it. And that is all the qualities that a lot of people love in a cymbal company, a drum company, guitar company, anybody. <laughs> yeah, any manufacturer. You know, it's not, not unique to us. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it, it could be the same for any manufacturer out there, regardless of product. It's just treating people well, having respect for what you're doing, you mm-hmm. know, or your products, and putting it out there as such. Very cool. So um, just kind of wondering, um, 
do you guys like publish the list of, of heavy hitters or, you know, do you have a, you said your artists or your family, mm-hmm. um, who are, do you have some of the people that are, that, you know, some of our listeners might actually know who's playing a dream symbol? Oh, well, there's uh, <laughs> probably got the wrong guy for that one, unfortunately, because I deal with everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it depends on, on uh, a lot of it depends on the genre. We've got guys across the board. I mean, like educators are really hot, you know, up there, you know, like Gordon Stout was one of our first guys on as far as really in the mainstream education uh, realm, as far as like college educators that were really, you know, profoundly well known. I mean, and he made a lot of inroads for us with that crowd. I mean, you've got guys like Craig Ritchie, who plays for the Gaither Brothers in the gospel scene. Those are super, super big cats. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of continues through. I mean, you know, we've got, I'd, I'd love to say I could name every one of our artists, you know, as far as top-end guys to low-end guys. But I'll be honest with you, we don't really look at them like that. I mean, yeah, some of them may, may have higher visibility than others. But to us, it's still the same guy calling in mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they they may have a higher visibility on the radio now. They may have, you know, maybe out on MTV or whatever. I mean, it's, um, but at the end of the day, because of, because of how I deal with them and the capacity that I deal with them with, it, it's, they're honestly, to me, a lot of them are just dudes. I don't even think about it in, in the sense of what their visibility is in the outward market. Uh, we do have a lot of, a lot of guys who are well and out there. Um, you know, you can go onto the website and, and check our artist roster and you see all the names of the guys you know. Uh, but I encourage you to check if you do that, check out the guys you don't know you know that are that are honestly just as important to our roster as you know the guys who are touring 365 days a year the guys who are teaching you know 120 students at their local high school are equally as important to us as far as at the end of the day when we're dealing with them that's a great plug for the little guy because little guys are always tomorrow's big guys so treat them all well exactly yeah. <laughs> You know, like I said, I, I wish I could go through and it's like, oh yeah, these are, you know, this is our, this is our Weckle, this is our Pert, this are these guys. Yeah. And it, it, it's great to have those guys on the roster. I mean, honestly, for every guy that we have like that, um, while they're, you know, just as, just, you know, just as much love, it, we don't love the little guys anymore. And uh, I, I, I've already talked to a couple of drum companies that are in the same boat with you. And it's usually the younger companies that, you know, ha- don't have the huge history or the corporate backing or anything where they're, mm-hmm. they're very young yet and they're, they're doing the right thing, the human thing. And, you know, treating their treating their artists no differently across the board the guy in the basement gets the same placement on their website as as uh yeah like you said pert (laughs) you know it's it's a very nice feeling of you know being able to have equal treatment across that and everyone represents you in some way at a different level so that's it i mean even down to discounting and it's everybody asks like oh well who gets free stuff well i mean really most people within our realm it's like yeah if you guys make it a placement here or there but you know everybody's for the most part most of our artists pay the same artist price that every other artist play, pays you know and it's you know it's straight across the board kind of thing i mean you know, it's if somebody gets a plate or gets a placement piece or somebody gets a freebie then most of the time it's because we just were like okay cool you did something neat here <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey you earned this right cool thanks <laughs> so. so uh like uh in terms of people who haven't purchased yet um where uh what kind of places can you uh or who carries dream symbols out on the retail line Oh, we've got dealers across the country. Uh, right now, I think it's probably about 250-ish plus uh, and growing. We actually just picked up KMC as a distributor for the U.S. market for Dream. Uh, so that's uh, going to vastly expand the reach and availability of the product across the U.S. Uh, and different parts of, of North America as it, as it grows for that. Uh, it makes it into Canada that way. Uh, some of our bigger guys, we've got Arizona Drum Shop down in the uh, Phoenix area. We've got Chicago Music up in Chicago, Illinois. 
Uh, we've got Lone Star Percussion down in Dallas, uh, Casio Interstate Music, guys at Steve Maxwell's, Forks Drum Closets, which is now owned by Steve Maxwell, um, Atlanta uh, ATL Drum Shop, which is in Atlanta. Um, so we've got, we've got some major heavy players that do a lot of internet outreach. Uh, I encourage people to go to reverb.com because we've got a lot of our smaller guys that you know may not have the big super web presence or you know the super huge stores or the you know the major financial backing that puts stuff on reverb. So you can find your local guys there. Um, and I, you know I find like I find reverb to be an interesting outlet for a lot of players and a lot of retailers actually because it's an open marketplace that kind of almost levels the playing field. You know you have just as much chance for you know a mom and pop shop in Toledo Ohio to make a sale as you do like a monolith like you know Chicago music um, the availability is still there the price is still the same because we do follow map you know we do have a map policy and a map pricing and it's in place um, so you it's a good avenue we don't do a lot with catalogs we don't do a lot with you know the you know with like the big box stores or anything like that we don't do GC we don't do Sam Ash um, you know, Amazon, if you're buying from Amazon, you're buying from an independent music store. Uh, and that's just the way it is. We've always really focused on the brick and mortars around around the U.S. and really want to drive our business to those guys. So while we do have our bigger, major dealers who, yes, have some of the most, you know, most visible presence out there in the marketplace, um, you'd be surprised how many of your local little drum shops actually have the product in there and are giving us just as much love. Uh, so like I said, I mean, check out Reverb, check out the website if you're looking for a local guy. Uh, or feel free at any point, call in, uh, 877-933-7629, I'm extension one. Or if you really, <laughs> if you just don't remember one, I'm also the operator. So I'm the easiest guy in the company to reach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Second command as it would go, and I am still cleaning the floors, sweeping, <laughs> sweeping the floors, cleaning the toilets, and I am your operator. The director uh, of operations and operator and janitorial. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's totally it. Yeah. Cool. But you had mentioned you mentioned earlier that Andy, um, you know, has the orchestra background, and you're kind of in the, in the I believe, drum set side. Um, yep. So, who is? Do you guys have any like particular uh, uh, heavier hitting market, like orchestral versus stage band kind of thing? Or it's a pretty interesting dynamic within the company. Um, we, as a company, have the largest selection of gongs of almost anybody. Um, we do the fangs, which are the wind gongs traditionally. We do the chows, which also people know as black dots. We also do embows, which are uh, nipple gongs, which are more melodically tuned, so you can use them for orchestra and things like that. Uh, mostly used for like gamelan and stuff, uh, melodic pieces and tuned, you know, tuned specific pieces, because a lot of those type actually, those instruments actually get played more like you would a uh, a mallet instrument like a marimba or a xylophone where you have octaves and scales set up and you're playing them either flat on the surface or if you are elevating them you're still playing them in that kind of set so uh, when i say that we have the largest selection we're also one of the only companies that i know of that actually when you order a set of embows they're actually hand tuned before they leave the building um, and we offer that service throughout the life of the instrument and as i often jokingly say through the life of andy because he does most of the work on tuning them <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a full service as far as the gongs go. Uh, we do a lot with orchestral stuff as far as hand cymbals, uh, susses, and things like that. We actually have a completely separate orchestral catalog. Uh, we hand make all of our own bell plates and things like that. 
so it, the orchestral side is a very, very heavy influence in what we do. And like I said, it's probably one of the main key factors in where we came from as a company because the gong side of it is really where it drove Andy into that little tiny factory. Um, however, on the flip side of that, where we've gained the most momentum uh, has been the drum set market. Um, you know, the, the jazz guys, the rock guys, the metal guys, the gospel guys, you know, the guys who are banging down their in their basement or in their garage, you know, um, that's been the, really the bread and butter of it, you know, but I'll be honest in saying, do we focus on one versus the other? It's not so much. It's a pretty even spread. Um, all of the guys in Canada who work for the company are all orchestral players, um, whether they do play drum set or not. Uh, they're all union guys, you know, you put a sheet, piece of sheet music in front of them. They'll be able to sight read it for you backwards, forwards, sideways, doesn't really matter. Uh, and that's really their world up there. Um, whereas you get guys like Kent and I who, yeah, despite training, you know, people we studied with, or we've taken lessons, we've played in high school band or any of that stuff, we're what I always jokingly call the drum set guys. Because, you know, it's, for somebody to say that, oh, well, you're a percussionist. I flat out am not a percussionist, and it would be an insult to any of the percussionists to have that set because if you put me in front of marimba, I'm going to look at it, and you may get me to play chopsticks. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's about it. Same thing with Kent, for that matter. You know, and uh, you know, you give us a Nashville number chart, and we're good to go, perfectly fine. To so sheet music, especially me because I'm dyslexic, it's going to be like, okay, cool, thanks. What do you want me to do with that? And I'll hand it back. So I mean, no, there's no focus one side versus the other, and within our growth capacity. Uh, where drum set really got us there, it's given us the ability to then go back and do more for the orchestral side and bring it up to the same par um, as what the cymbals are. Because I mean, you know, within orchestral stuff, you know, there's still drum set cymbals being used. Uh, the susses that we typically sell for guys who want to use them are vintage 17s and 19s. So it's the same stuff you would use on a drum set. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's across the board. I mean, everything's kind of it, it's. Started one way and is kind of geared towards the other, and now I would I can honestly say it's probably straight across the even playing field as far as it goes. With half the company being more focused on one, the other half the company being more focused on the other. And as long as we hit things, we are all just drummers, not percussionists. I don't know what you know. It depends. You know, there's no no no, uh, no discrimination against anybody, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I make the joke because yeah, at the end, as I said, it's like I. I did school band, you know, I, I had to learn to read marimba music. I, I had to learn to read, figure out bass drum parts and snare drum mm -hmm. parts and things like that. But uh, I can honestly say, you know, 30 years later that, you know, while I could probably still get away with it, I'm safer behind a drum set. And, you know, it's like <laughs> Craig, Craig can play a drum set sideways, backwards and forwards, but he can also show up, you know, tons of people on a set of timpani, anything else. No, I hear you. I, I went to a small school, so in most cases, I was the drum section. So it would be timpani, marimba, drum set, jazz band, <laughs> concert band, quads, marching band, you name it. I was in it because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> that's, that's it, exactly. exactly. Uh, I got my share of it. but anyway. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, well, before we uh, sign off, I wanted to have you um, plug the website and any of your social platforms and have some people uh, check you out online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're on Facebook at dreamsymbols.com. Uh, I think Twitter is basically the same thing. Uh, Ed's all over Snapchat. If you can't find him on there, uh, and Instagram as well. If you can't find him on there, hit him up on Facebook. He'll tell you where to find us. The website is www.dreamsymbols.com. 
Uh, we've got links to our artist roster, links to our dealer list, as far as you can find people across the country as far as where to buy symbols. And like I said, if you got any questions, um, I'm the easiest guy in the company to find. If you dial in through the 877 number, I'm extension one directly or extension zero, which is operator. Uh, you can also email us at info at dreamsymbols.com. If you want to reach out to any of us personally, it's most of the time our name, in my case, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at dreamsymbols.com. Andy, same thing. Uh, reach out to us, ask us questions. You know, we're a really touchy feely company. You know, it's, it's, we like to talk to our customers. We like to get to know people. And as I said earlier, I mean, you know, you, you call in and it's like, don't, when you, when you call in or reach out to us, don't think of yourself as just an end user or a guy looking for info on a symbol. I mean, we will treat you like family, you know, we, you know, we'll answer your questions, direct you in the right, you know, to the right dealer, the right product. You know, if there's, you know, you need warranty, you want to find out about our fantastic recycling program, which is probably the only one in the industry where you can actually trade in broken symbols of any brand towards a credit for the purchase of dream product. Um, you know, so it's, uh, we got that going on as far as, you know, helping out the environment and helping out drummers wallets. But uh, yeah, all the information is available on the website. Like I said, if you can't find it there, reach out personally, please. Awesome. Well, I do have a, I believe what used to be an eight inch splash, which is now a two or a three after it followed a line all the way around. So I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> Send it in. We, we take anything with the recycling program. It's kind of fun. Uh, anything that's got a certain usage size or larger, we may turn it into crop circles or the reflex bells and things like that, or the naughty saucers, but the rest of the stuff gets melted down and either turn it into another symbol product that's dream related, not like our crashes or the bliss or the energy of the vintage or any of that stuff, but like, you know, maybe Tollies or some of the weirder effects, you know, REFX percussion stuff, which REFX actually stands for recycled effects products. Uh, but yeah, we, we take anything. It doesn't matter if it's a half a symbol, if it's a full symbol, doesn't matter if it's brand A, brand Z, brand S, brand W. We don't really care. We'll take it as long as it's a, a B8 alloy or better. Uh, the only thing we don't take is brass. And the only reason that is, is because it's just basically useless. <laughs> ah, good to know. I, I got it. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate you joining me again today. And this has been fun. So thank you. Thanks, Matt, for having me on here, man. It's been great chatting with you, bro. Thank you for listening to Behind the Backline, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space. And be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care.